everybody, this is Adkins, and unfortunately, I am not joined by Adam this week. Uh, Adam is in the middle of one of those big life event things. He and his wife, Hannah, and their son have bought a house. Well, you know, I don't know how much the son had to do with that, but they're moving. And uh, that kind of put a crimp into our recording schedule because uh, I was at primary fault and took vacation on a week when we were supposed to record. And so we punted to a Saturday, and then Saturday became moving day. And so here we are. Um, I'm back from vacation, and he is moving. Uh, and we didn't want Monday to just pass without an episode of the AMP for you guys. So uh, I pitched the idea that I could do something a little bit more informal. We can tag it as a filler episode. We haven't done one of those since like August of last year, I think, when we covered uh, season five OVAs, I think. Uh, and so this is just going to be a cool, calm, casual, very informal filler episode featuring only me. Uh, and if that just turns you off, feel free to skip this episode. I would totally understand it. Um, but to give you a sneak peek on what the contents of this particular episode is going to be, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Deku's new drip uh, in season six, this dark Deku uh, costume that he's got, um, get into kind of some comparisons over the seasons, along with some uh, thematic uh, in important details in uh, that new look for this season. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Stain, because any opportunity that I can get to talk about Stain or Rapa, for instance, I'm probably going to do that, and I've got some interesting ideas on Stain. Just very briefly, that won't take very long. We're going to spend some time talking about perfumes and colognes, because that's a thing that uh, I became... I mean, not like the concept of perfume and cologne, but... Like there, there's a long story short, but to to give you a little teaser about what this is actually about is there is a company that is making anime scents for uh, for uh, men and women, and so we're gonna look at some of those. Those would be fun. Uh, I became aware of it because they put out an Aizawa scent, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" I don't wear cologne, and we'll get into that um, in that time. But it's interesting that the Aizawa like flavor profile, if that's what you want to call it, is totally up my alley. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then uh, kind of the end of the episode is going to be a little bit of a mailbag episode. I kind of put out some feelers, some requests uh, to the Twitter and the Discord communities for some things that I could talk about for a few minutes. So if none of that is appealing to you, I get it. Um, uh, hopefully what what I'm hoping will happen, and Adam and I have not conversed because we've both been busy, uh, is that you will have uh, a couple of weeks consecutively that will feature Almighty Mondays. This coming out uh, on Monday the 20th, I think, is what that date will be. And then hopefully we'll be able to record uh, for the 27th. Uh, and then possibly, because that would also mean that two more episodes of the anime will have come out, um, you might actually get three uh, Almighty Mondays in a row. So buckle your seatbelts for that. But before we get into the content, a couple of just disclaimers. Again, this is very casual. It's just me. I'm kind of winging it. I do have some notes. I'm also at home, so you're going to hear, uh, you know, different sounds than I normally, uh, that, that would normally feature in my audio. For instance, my dog might enter the room and shake, and you will hear her collar. I'm probably not going to edit that out because I will be speaking. Uh, I might even, you might even hear me take a sip of my coffee. It's, it's that kind of cool, calm, uh, and, and collected and relaxed feeling today. Uh, also, um, we, I didn't want to tack this stuff on at the end. If you've hung out with us or me now for four minutes, I wanted to say thank you. Not just because you're spending four minutes with me up to this point and we'll turn it off at, you know, 4.05 or whatever, but uh, the, the Almighty 
podcast has seen tremendous growth in the last few months. Adam and I don't shake down trees. We don't advertise. The the closest that we come to doing anything like that is if we post on Twitter. We might use a hashtag that might uh, pop up in people's feeds uh, should they search for it. That's about it. The only reason why it grows is because of you. And if you're listening to that, you are, it, it is that corporate you, it is that plural you, but it's also you individually, you, this person who is listening in their headphones or on their way to work. So thank you for that. Um, it's very cool. We don't do this for the numbers. We do it because it's fun and we would be having these conversations anyway. Um, but thank you. That's, it. it is, it has been absolutely shocking uh, to watch uh, the Almighty Podcast grow over the last few years. That said, um, if you're listening and you aren't following us on Twitter, please go do so. That's at AlmightyPod on Twitter. Um, just because that's the space where we let you know when episodes are out. Um, we uh, retweet other My Hero content, uh, be they podcasts or uh, really cool um, artists or news, whatever the case might be. Just give us a follow there. Also, if you follow us on the Twitter, uh, even if you already have, Visit that pin tweet, drop into the Discord. We're talking almost all day, every day. Uh, there's, there's some sort of anime content uh, being spoken of inside the Almighty Pod channel on the Back Patio Network's Discord. Uh, we've seen several people join over the last month or two, but you guys are lurking. And I know you're lurking because I've said hi to you and, and you're like, oh yeah, we're here for Almighty Pod. And then you haven't said anything. Speak up, guys. Um, we're, you know, it's okay to lurk if that's what you want to do. If that's your uh, modus operandi, sweet. We're, we're glad that you are watching what we're talking about. But that's a safe space. Uh, and we want you to be able to speak up about my hero stuff in that channel, uh, other anime content. There are a lot of anime-loving folks in that channel who will gladly talk to you about whatever it is that piques your interest. Uh, so be, be a part of that community. Use your voice or, you know, your fingers on a keyboard. And, uh, and talk to us. We'll talk back. That's always fun. That's, that's, the, that's the best thing about what we do at the Almighty Podcast. Um, second to last, before we get into the content, Kyo Cinema is still on a little bit of a break. It continues to be on my heart and mind. I'm hoping that once uh, Adam gets settled, especially in the house, we can uh, pick that back up. We're only a few movies away from being actually all the way caught up, and the Discord has been wondering what in the world we're going to do with that. We don't know. Um, we've been requested to cover Dragon Ball Z. I don't know that I want to do that because so many other people are doing that. Maybe we'll do some super coverage. I'm more intrigued by the possibility of covering Dragon Ball Heroes because I know that that's content that neither Adam or I are familiar with. Um, and maybe a lot of you guys aren't either. You're like, what the hell is Dragon Ball Heroes? Maybe we'll tell you. We don't know. Um, but we definitely have got several more movies to cover. I think we're only a movie to movie or two away from covering uh, the live-action Dragon Ball Evolution movie, too. So, yay, I guess. Um, and then lastly, um, and I did, I did speak with Adam about this, we are going to have another giveaway coming up. And I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. I don't know what shape the giveaway is going to take, necessarily. But Ness in the Discord turned me on to the fact that Dragon Shield... Uh, card sleeves, uh, you can you can customize those things. So um, we're going to make a set or two, I don't know, um, of Almighty Podcast custom Dragon Shield card sleeves, and we're going to give those away. Those, to my understanding, they fit most of your TCGs. Um, so if that's something that you're interested in, 
absolutely stay tuned. In fact, if that's something that you're really interested in, go ahead and ping us on Twitter and the Discord and be like, yo, I need to know about these card sleeves because that will incentivize us to maybe do it more than just this once because um, we do like to give back to you guys for, for tuning in. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. I, I rambled for eight minutes about nothing but thank yous and, and businessy stuff. Let's get into what I came here to talk about. I'm really just stretching this out a little bit. I didn't want this to be like 10 minutes long. I wanted this to be like, I don't know, half an hour or so. So, uh, and again, this is me putting my coffee cup down. You're going to hear noises. It's fine. So let's talk about Deku's new drip. Uh, over the course of the last six seasons, obviously, he's taken on a lot of, uh, a lot of looks. His season one costume, uh, you know, costume prime or whatever you want to call it, um, was designed by him in his notebook before he ever even had a quirk uh, and executed by his mommy. So uh, it was obviously uh, borrowed a lot from All Might's aesthetic. He had the two little pointy hair bits on the mask, which he actually wore at the time, uh, the little cowl. Since season one, I want to say that Deku, the, the little hood thing has, uh, has not been drawn up over his head in a while. I know that he does it in World Heroes missions with the little stealth suit thing, and I think he put it on like at the request or the caution of Mirio at one point, like when they first bumped into Overhaul, maybe. Um, so in season six, obviously, he's he's got it drawn back up. And we'll talk about that at the time. So he had the the weird hair things. He also had uh, the the teeth that made it look like he was constantly smiling, something else that we're going to talk about when we get to season six. Uh, so, and oh crap, I meant to look up how much it cost. There is like inside of one of the Tonkamons, there was a mention of like how much uh, Inko had to spend to kind of cobble that costume together. And I forgot to look it up. So uh, Google it, I guess. Um, season two, there's a, a small evolutions. They muted the brightness on the costume. It, uh, it was darkened up a little bit. Uh, his knee pads were made a little bit larger. Uh, the teeth, the little like face mask respirator kind of thing was, was made metal and kind of rested upon his chin unless he donned it up. It wasn't like an integrated into the costume itself. Uh, it was an accessory more or less in seasons three and four and five, you get, uh, the metal kicks, uh, with shoot style, uh, longer gloves, uh, that also had the little channels to help him better, uh, direct air force. And now we're seeing in, in some of these later seasons that he also tends to project Black Whip out of those same channels, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, I think that he can, well, obviously he can, he could use Black Whip from out of anywhere because he's using it out of his mouth. Uh, but I think aesthetically, it, it's, it's very neat to see it come out of those, kind of like Wolverine's claws is kind of how those little channels work on the back of those gloves. Uh, but season six. This is, again, the first time that we really see him constantly wearing the hood uh, in many, many seasons. Uh, and I think this is uh, partly because he's wanting to stay as anonymous as possible. Um, he's coupling the, uh, the obfuscation of his face with smokescreen. He does not want to be identified, if, if at all possible, by those who don't just already know that it's him out here doing this. Um, we've seen some Class 1B students recently in Season 6 have guesses as to who this person is and be correct, uh, but still doubtful because of the, the change in demeanor that we see in Midoriya here. The costume is also very raggedy. Uh, it's not being kept up. And I think that this is indicative uh, or, or symbolic of his mission right now. Uh, he's wanting to focus 
on the mission and others and not on himself. Uh, this is evident in him leaving UA. He knows that uh, Shigaraki or Tamurafo, or whatever you want to call him, can locate him whenever he wants uh, because of the wild, wild pussycats quirk. So, uh, you know, he nobly to, I would, I mean, nobly, I would argue, uh, ditches UA so as not to put them in danger and also the civilians who are now being housed at UA. So there's, there's nobility in that for sure. Uh, he's also wearing Gran Torino's cape. Uh, and I think there's some symbolism there. The best I can get or, or, or provide is the, the conversation that Gran Torino has when Gran Torino hands Midoriya his cape, which I thought was interesting. It's not like Midoriya scooped this thing up on his way out. Gran Torino proffers his cape to Midoriya after having basically said, or, or like apologizing, I should have killed, uh, I, I should have killed Tenko when I had the chance. Um, so I think the symbolism there is like, hey, wear this as the reminder that that may be the thing that you have to do. That's come up a couple times also in conversation with the vestiges. So there's a lot going on uh, in this in this look. It's, it's very sad. Like, yeah, it looks badass. Um, like, there's no denying that. But it's also incredibly sad, I think. He's wearing the burden literally of all herodom on his shoulders. I mean, he is rescuing rescuers. He is the hero to heroes at this point. All these people have left, um, have resigned, um, have withdrawn. And he's out there uh, basically acting as an island, even though he does have the top three heroes and also All Might in, in support. Uh, I did think it was interesting, too. I didn't think about this until this morning when I was sitting down to record. To my knowledge, not a single student has has withdrawn. Like, we've seen pro-heroes, you know, tossing their little red beanies in the trash can and, uh, you know, resigning, quote-unquote, falling on their sword. Uh, but to my knowledge, I can't think of any students that have. Uh, and I think that speaks volumes for for them. And I, and I think that that's going to emphasize kind of one of the things that I struggle with, with uh, Midoriya currently, all of this being tied to the symbolism in his suit, I think. Um, but so part of the, part of the thing that I think is interesting with what's going on is if, if three heroes could hold down Japan, they would, or at least they would try the top three, you know, Endeavor, Hawks, and Best Genus, not necessarily in that order. Um, they, if they thought they could do it, they would try, but they know that they can't. If one could have done it, um, if All Might in his prime could have done it, he would have tried, but he he even he in his prime wasn't he was working in a silo of sorts, but he was also very reliant upon heroes elsewhere and all over the place uh, in that country. And so here we've got Midoriya doing something that no other hero has even attempted to do at the worst possible time to do it uh, at the time where it is where Japan's villain scene is at its most unwieldy. And so, yeah, this costume looks badass, uh, but I also kind of want to shake Midoriya and tell him that I think that he's doing it wrong. So even if you break it down as purely numbers, which this isn't fair, and I get that, all for one, Tamurafo, whatever, um, are they, he, them, whatever, they're, they're capable of containing uh, a multitude of quirks, 20 plus, I would guess. Um, I'm sure that there's a specific number printed somewhere. Um, one for all, seven. Um, so like just on that front, 
even though it's not necessarily a one-to-one thing, right? There's there's seemingly a disadvantage there. And we also know that all for one isn't exactly the best when it comes to wielding his quirks because he just turns 20 quirks into one big old dumb fist for punching. Which, by the way, um, small little rant tangent. I don't know um, how much or you guys care about uh, like My Hero um, Academia action figures or statues or whatever. I've got several. I have uh, repeatedly refused to buy the all-for-one McFarlane figure, um, specifically the one from Camino, where he has the big, dumb, punchy fist, because it's just this stiff arm thing. So, like, he's in a suit, and he has the gnarly, like, Akira-looking arm, doesn't have a joint at the elbow, so all you can do is, like, have it down at his side, which is, like, gross-looking, but not, I don't know, not really menacing. Like, there's no action in that. Or you can like stick it straight up in the air or straight out in front or straight behind. Why? Why would you do that? It's such a dumb design thing. You know, it isn't a dumb a dumb design thing. And a lot of people, I think, thought that this was a joke from McFarlane. But you can actually buy a Hagakure figure. And it's amazing. Like, it's it's fantastic. If I ever see it in the wild, it'll be an instant buy. I have, I have thought many times that I should order it on the internet because it's just hilarious. It's it's. It's just her gloves and shoes with little um, little clear stands, and it's and it's glorious. Anyway, back to uh, all for one versus one for all. Is Midoriya more capable on his own than anyone else against the current scene? Yes, Deku is positioned, uh, is uniquely equipped by himself, better than in any other one hero. Yes. Is he less capable with everyone else? I would say no. Um, yes, there is the risk of it's it's the classic risk of like if you have other people on the battlefield that the, you know you might have to be fighting a villain and also protecting them. There is that risk. There's the risk that some of those people that are there alongside of you would die. But that risk is undertaken volitionally, and it undergirds the definition of a hero. So at some point, I imagine. 1A, 1B, all these other students, um, maybe even some other pro heroes, but I I don't think that they're the focus. I think it's the focus is on the students right now. At some point, they're going to have to smack that reality into Midoriya and be like, bro, we get it. Like, you you on your own are more capable than any of us on our own. Yes. But that doesn't mean that you're less capable with us. And I think that that's something that's got to come up at some point. Also, just a a matter of... um, semantics. I keep seeing people say that he's a vigilante now. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, I don't know if vigilante is used officially anywhere. Um, Oxford Dictionary defines vigilante as a member of a self-appointed group of citizens who undertake law enforcement in their community without legal authority, typically because the legal agencies are thought to be inadequate. The middle part of that definition, I don't think applies to Midoriya, All Might, Best Genus, well, maybe All Might, I don't know if he still has his license, but Best Genus Talks, Endeavor, all of them are licensed. And yeah, there are some inadequacies at the at, at, at this current moment. And yeah, they are self-appointed in the fact that they have like gone rogue, which is what I would call this as opposed to vigilantism. If you want a vigilantism, go read My Hero Academia Vigilantes, people. In fact, this would be the absolute perfect time for there to be uh, like some My Hero Academia Vigilantes cameos. I've, I highly doubt that they're going to do that. 
vigilantism is what the citizens that were holed up in the building um, were doing. Who were like, this is our hood. We don't need the heroes. We'll take that. That's vigilantism. I don't think what Midoriya is doing is vigilantism at all. Um, so anyway, that's it. I, I get that it's a semantics thing. But I, has he gone rogue? Yes. Is he a vigilante? No. All right. We're going to change gears really quickly here. Hold on. Pause for ASMR coffee that I don't intend to uh, to edit out at all. Oh, God. I forgot how hot this is. Okay. Um, Stain. Stain's ideal was to kind of call heroes. And I'll be damned if that hasn't just happened, right? Uh, he's out of Tartarus. We've seen him go and retrieve his sword. I think that there's a very, very good chance, and I can't remember if I said this on the podcast somewhere, but there's a good chance that Staines just switches sides. The culling that he was trying to do on his own has taken place. Uh, all of these heroes who possibly were in it for the wrong reason have bailed. They're, they're gone. And so Stain might be walking into the, the hero environment that he envisioned and dreams of, uh, dreamt of and worked for. I think that there's a compelling reason for Stain to start working with the likes of Midoriya rather than against him. Does that mean that like everybody left on the pro scene, you know, passes the Stain test? I don't know, maybe not. But I think that uh, what has effectively taken place as a result of uh, Shigi's awakening and all the destruction and the Nomus and the prison releases and all this stuff, that is working in Stain's favor. And Stain, uh, you really ought to go and read the Vigilante stuff, man, because he starts out as this guy named Stendhal. He, he's a hero. Like, that was his, his origin is heroism. His motivation even when he was being colored as a villain, was ultimately for the betterment of hero society. And so I think that there's a really compelling, and I hope, oh man, I hope that something is done with this. Uh, for it to be overlooked seems wild to me. I, there's no way this doesn't get touched on at some point. Or or at least that Stain features again. They keep showing him. Uh, they, they show him in the anime at times where he's not even featured in the manga. But... I think the door is wide open for Stain to be a good guy, and that'll be fascinating to me, and I really want it. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's move on to Otaku Sense. So uh, this this website, I was made aware of it because Kyle Phillips, who's the voice of Kaminari, I think, maybe, on uh, My Hero, uh, posted about this Aizawa cologne. And so I started hunting this stuff down. And ended up at otakusense.com. I'll post a link in uh, the show notes just in case you want to go and look yourself. They got sense for all kinds of My Hero characters, Naruto characters. There's Jujutsu Kaisen characters in here. Uh, there are, um, let's see, Death Note characters in here. Uh, Final Fantasy characters in here. Sailor Moon. Uh, Attack on Titan. I'm just kind of scrolling through. There's Legend of Zelda stuff in here. Uh, there are people... There are Characters from anime that I'm unfamiliar with, but there's one piece in here. Anyway, uh, otakusense.com. And I ended up navigating my way here just to see what the eraser head scent was like. Uh, and let's see. they. This is the, the flavor profile here. Sheer woods, which I don't know what that means, but I do know what western cedar is. Cedar is my favorite scent in the whole wide world. Um, 
it. I use cedarwood in my home wherever I can. Incense, deodorant if I can find it, um, cedar scented, bar soap, cedar scented. It's it's my jam. Uh, orange is I also like citrus scents a lot. Sandalwood is cedar e. Uh, it's also got jasmine and vanilla. Those two I'm less jazzed about. Uh, but it was just I thought it was hilarious that the uh, the Aizawa scent so closely resembled what I might actually wear. Uh, I don't I don't put like strong scents on my body. I do. I'm very conscientious about the way that my home smells. Um, but I don't know if this is TMI. My my personal deodorant choices are very mild. I don't want an overwhelming scent on me. Anyway, uh, so but if if you do, there's a whole bunch of character options in here. I thought it would be fun just to kind of read a couple of these. Um, so let's look at uh, what does Dobby smell like? Dobby. Uh, his scent is called Blue Flame, appropriately enough. It is Calabria Bergamo, uh, Bergamot, I don't know. Lemon Zest, Ocean Spray, Ambergris. Man, that's fancy. That's like, that's the whale vomit. And Tonka Bean, which I have no idea what that is. But uh, maybe you do, and you're like, that smells, that smells delicious. Um, so you can go get you some Blue Flame. Let's see what Hawks smells like. Hawks has five stars off of two reviews on this website. Bergamot, citrus, lavender, cardamom, sandalwood, amber, and musk. Uh, let's see. Let's get. Uh, let's look at a couple non-My Hero folks. What does Gojo smell like? Single review, four stars. Mandarin, pepper, mm, cypress. I'm intrigued. Ebonywood, leather, amber, and musk. That, um... That doesn't sound bad, I'll be honest. Itachi from Naruto. Um, Mandarin, black pepper, uh, vetiver, whatever that is, sandalwood, and musk. Uh, a little bit more simple than some of the other ones that we've uh, scrolled past so far. Uh, great Explosion, Murder God Dynamite Cologne. This is great. Raspberries, what? Raspberries, chocolate, and patchouli? What? Okay, we got to read the, uh, hmm, let's read the description here. Bakugo is a very crude, violent, arrogant, and aggressive person having an attitude reminiscent of a teenage delinquent. Bakugo tends to come off as very anti-heroic, if not downright villainous. Brutal and bloodthirsty, Bakugo smiles eerily when finding himself in the middle of a battle. His personality reflects his fighting style, mercilessly assaulting the opponents and having no regard for nearby objects, nearly destroying them with his power. This scent blends raspberries, chocolate, and patchouli provide... A smoky, explosive fragrance for everyone's favorite explosive hero. Hmm. I don't know that I follow that particular flavor profile for that particular character. Maybe you guys have a better idea of uh, what they're aiming for here. Let's look at Aravity. Uh, Mandarin, soft jasmine petals, as opposed to those coarse or hard jasmine petals, I suppose. Sweet gardenia and pink orchid. I, I follow that. Uh, I don't know exactly specifically what all those are, but it does make some sense. Uh, let's see who else do they have for my heroes. Is that all of my hero ones? Did I skip some? Dobby Hawks. Uh, Aizawa we talked about already. Um, Bakugo. Yeah, I think that's all of my hero ones. Let's look up. Uh, let's look at one more. Levi from Attack on Titan, and then we'll then we'll move on to the uh, question and answer portion of today's podcast. Oh, the scent is just one thing. It's black currant tea. Um, so anyway, otakosense.com, fascinating find. Um, if, if any of those flavors sounded appealing to you, go for it. Uh, apparently, uh, the, you can get samples for like seven bucks. I, I want to say I've closed out of the website. 
uh, and then the, the full-size bottles are 45, but that comes with free shipping. And I don't know, maybe cologne lasts a long time and 45's not so bad. I have no idea. I'm not the target market. All right, so I asked uh, some of our folks to provide me with some, uh, some questions for me to think on and respond to. So uh, let's get into those. Almost all these, actually, all these probably did come from the Discord. I put it out there on Twitter, but I, I don't think anybody uh, bit. So um, Tomac from the Discord had uh, two, two questions, I think. The first one is, who do you think are the more underutilized characters and who should have more depth or emphasis on them? My reflexive answer to this was Tokoyami, just because we're still trying to figure out what the hell Dark Shadow is, this sentient thing. Um, I would love answers to that. I think the mystery is driving us more, more crazy than it really should, to be honest. But a more thoughtful answer is Ochako. And I'll give you a couple reasons why. Number one, every time they bring her close to being misindependent, they tease that Deku tie. And that drives me a little crazy. I'm not necessarily against there being like, you know, romantic relationships inside of anime and stuff like that. I am uh, <laughs> vocally very much not in the like shipping camp of all things where you're just like, let's just smash these two people together because we want to. Um, but I do, it feels like they, they, they keep teasing that she she doesn't have that tie, or at least that she's moved beyond it, or is trying to uh, backburner the thing, uh, and then they keep bringing it back into the forefront. And I like Miss Independent Ochako. Uh, I do think it's frustrating that she gets sidelined for long periods of time, regardless of where she is on the the spectrum uh, as far as her connection to Midoriya is concerned. She was a part of the original Big Three, right? The original Big Three, I would argue, would be like Ochako, Ida. Uh, in Midoriya. Uh, and both, I mean, really, obviously the big three has shifted. You, you're talking about uh, Bakugo, Midoriya, and uh, Todoroki, I, I would guess, I would say, are the big three now. If the most recent Shigaraki fight is an indication, that's pretty close to the truth. Uh, although Ida was on that scene too, but that's more incidental than anything else. So, um, She's, she's also been shown to work, I'd say, more than most at covering for weaknesses and developing beyond her quirk. So it's one thing in a, in a quirk society to work on your quirk. I get that. It's necessary. Ochako's doing more than that. Um, it's why she went and interned with Gunhead Martial Arts. And she's, she's developing, like, off panel. Uh, and I think that that should, be, that should be more forefront than it is. I mean, I, I think I complained in the most recent episode where she was fighting uh, Toga that she didn't shout gun, Gunhead Martial Arts when she was assault, when, when, when the two of them were fighting. Um, only because I think that that's such a cool part of who she is. This, this martial art learning young lady because she realized that she had a deficiency and she wanted to overcome it. She also has a really compelling reason for being a hero. And we haven't really seen any interactions with her and her parents, between her and her parents, since, like, the the sports festival, I want to say. Um, I remember that they creepily assaulted her in her apartment at some point. I can't remember if that was before or after. Um, and, like, at times they've shown her being extremely frugal, and we haven't really seen that in a long time. Uh, I think that that stuff could be better reflected. Uh, is she the best girl? No, I don't think so. Um, I'll always hold Jiro in that regard, but she should absolutely be a more prominent female, arguably the most prominent. 
bring Ochako back to the front. And not for necessarily, or not for exclusively Midoriya reasons. Like, let her be her own daggum person. She doesn't need to keep being dragged back into this relationship dynamic with Midori. Even Toga did it. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, I love Ochako. She's not my best girl. She should absolutely be the most prominent female, and for a ton of reasons, uh, even beyond um, what I listed here. Tomek also asked, in your opinion, what is the most impressive low-key quirk and why? And the answer, the definitive answer is Coda's. Coda's Annie voice is has so much more potential than it has ever been shown to have, and it drives me nuts. So far in the anime, uh, Coda has been shown to, and this this is probably close to chronological order, been shown to use it for uh, on bugs to assault present Mike, on birds for recon purposes and such, and also just on like all the pets in a city when they were doing the uh, evacuation. This man could be doing so much more. Like he, I'll, I'll preface what I'm about to say with this. His personality restricts him, and I totally get that. Coda loves animals. He's not going to throw them as soldiers at villains, but he freaking could. Like, he absolutely could. Uh, he could be calling all sorts of crazy beasts into, it would be like freaking gladiatorial arena day stuff. Coda could be popping off with all kinds of animals. Don't, they don't even have to be all that impressive because he can just call them out in numbers. Dude could freaking pipe piper somebody's ass. But we don't see that. Oh man, it drives me nuts that he's got this incredibly powerful quirk. Incredibly powerful. Uh, potentially, anyway. I understand that it is governed um, by his personality, but holy crap, he's got the, the most underutilized quirk in the show, in my opinion, full stop. On land, in the air, in the water, animals exist in all those biomes, Coda whoops behind, it doesn't matter. The only thing that, uh, that really matters is proximity to specific animals. Bro just needs to hang out where there are zoos, okay? Or be out in, you know, uh, I don't know if something's maritime law shenanigans. Like, get Coda out there. Uh, one of the things that I had mentioned um, to Mark of Hero Notes fame, uh, I was talking to him about Coda, just double checking my, my thoughts on how underutilized he's been. And Mark actually pointed out that there's, a, there's an argument to be made that if Coda took trigger, that he could possibly control humans because humans are considered animals. And that's a fascinating and absolutely scary fact. Like, you do not want Coda to break bad. You, you don't. Like, he is by far and away the strongest, most impressive, low-key quirk that has been completely underutilized. All right. Next question comes from Ayn in the Discord. Ayn uh, is kind of like our new Ness. Um, has been aware of us in the Back Patios uh, Discord and has been a participant in many conversations there, but hadn't really watched the show until recently. Um, he said that he actually went and listened to our re-record of episode one and then was intrigued and started watching My Hero. So he's like seven or eight episodes deep now, and he tossed a couple questions at me. The first one is this. Pick two characters that are enemies or friends, or even a few different pairs, and if their quirks were switched... How do you think it would affect their relationship in moments in the series? That was a really hard question. Like, 
Ein is at the beginning stages of watching my hero, and he's asking me to write doctoral theses on <laughs> on characters. <laughs> so I didn't answer his question as it's written. Instead, what I did was I thought about um, how would characters be different with another character's quirk? Not necessarily if the two swapped, but just if they had somebody else's quirk. So nightmare fuel conditions here. Mineta with Sue's quirk or with Hagakuri's quirk would be terrifying. Um, because if he had Sue's quirk, you know, he'd be just licking things and like wrapping people up with his tongue all the time and enjoying it much more than Sue has ever shown to have done so. Mineta with Sue's quirk, nightmare fuel. Um, and obviously, Mineta with Hagakuri's quirk, come on. Come on, guys. Uh, I took a, a class in college called the... The history, no, 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 not the history and philosophy of psychology. It was just psychology, the Holocaust. And one of the um, one of the projects that we had to do was we had to talk about what we would do if we were given invisibility for like 24 hours. And we turned these papers in anonymously because the teacher wanted honest answers. So, of course, uh, the majority of the papers, as the teacher described, were very pervy, which is what Mineta would do. Mine, though, got read out in front of the class. He didn't know that it was mine. Um, you know, not to say that I'm so, you know, righteous that I wouldn't do, like, that I didn't consider writing down pervy stuff, but I was like, everybody else is doing that. Uh, I'm gonna go have fun, and mine was just, a, like, a list of pranks, which was super fun. Uh, anyway, Mineta should not have, uh, Sue's or Hagakuri's quirk. I thought it would be very interesting if Bakugo had Sato's quirk, um, in part because we know that Bakugo is already a really good cook. But baking is a much more delicate form of cooking. And uh, I think that it would be really neat. At Bakugo, the, the, you know, the, the roid rage thing, I think, still fits with his personality as it is. But it would be really funny to see, like, Bakugo baking a souffle. Um, I, I think that it would be really interesting if you could flip the, quote-unquote, my quirk defines my character script and do something crazy that would go against personalities. For instance, uh, like Coda with Explosion would be funny if Coda was personality-wise what he is right now, not personality-wise what he would have been if Horikoshi wrote him with Explosion from the beginning, if you're tracking with that. Or you can turn Coda into literally Black Bolt by giving him Present Mike's voice quirk. Or you could do something like Ochako, this sweet character, and give her like Toga's quirk or Stain's quirk. Uh <laughs> It would be, like, it brought me an immense, like, a, a stupid amount of joy just thinking about Ochako, you know, in class before her, like, costume is first revealed and everybody's, oh, she's so sweet. She's got the rosy cheeks and, and all that stuff. And then her, her uh, like, first version of her costume looks like she's a freaking Cenobite. Um, that would be wild and hilarious. Or you could give Bakugo any voice and Peta would be mortified. Uh, Second question from Ayn is, who would you pick to voice? And he just says, insert list of characters here. Um, the one that leapt to mind immediately was, and it, I listen to um, the Japanese, of course. Uh, so I'm, the only person I know for sure is uh, one of the English voice actors is Chris Sabat for All Might, which is fine. Uh, I have no idea who voices All for One, but I know who could do it better without ever having really even heard the, the English voice actor, because if it isn't Tony Todd, they did it wrong. Tony Todd should be voicing that villain. He would be freaking excellent at it. And if you couldn't get Tony Todd, 
go and get Keith David because he would rock that voice as well. I started thinking too about uh, who who would be fun to voice Aizawa. Um, and originally I thought that H. John Benjamin would be really funny as Aizawa, but only as like lazy Aizawa. I don't know that H. John Benjamin, I'm not familiar with his entire, you know, um, catalog of work, but uh, H. John Benjamin is like the lazy wrapped up in a sleeping bag. Aizawa would totally work. Alternatively, you could go and get John DiMaggio, um, who has been known to do superhero uh, vocals, uh, heroes and villains, actually. Uh, but he can also be very, he's just got a huge range, John DiMaggio does. Another really interesting casting for English voice Aizawa would have been Kevin Conroy. I think that he could have done Aizawa really well. Um, I have been vocally not pleased with, I just, not pleased. I just, um, I don't really like Deku's voice actor. We should go get Justin Roiland. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I kid, I kid. Honestly, outside of him, I have no idea if I'm, uh, if any of these other folks are like, going to get me canceled for suggesting them, but not Justin Roiland. I'm, I'm joking. But another interesting idea for Deku would be Steven, uh, Steven Yen from like, uh, he voiced most recently Grayson in, um, Invincible on Amazon prime. Grayson is also in high school, but he's older than Deku. Um, but maybe Yen's got the, the flexibility to kind of age himself down, give himself a little bit more of a higher pitch and then grow into it. Um, because I thought he did, Great as Grayson and Invincible. Um, also from Ayn, without quirks, which character dies first in the zombie slash robot, etc. apocalypse, and why? And then who lasts longest? Uh, I stuck mostly with uh, zombies. Actually, actually, you know, my answers would work really well for zombie and for robot. Uh, first is, an assumption must be made that even without their quirks, they retain their uh, canon characteristics and demeanors, which mean Bakugo dies first because he tries to solo and gets wrecked. At some point, he makes that mistake. Um, even without quirks, if he keeps his, if he retains his personality, he makes that mistake and he's gone. It's, uh, the temptation is there to say that somebody like Mineta or Aoyama would go first, but they're canonical hiders. Like, I don't think that they would. They would, they would not be confrontational at all, and Bakugo cannot not be confrontational. I hope I got did that double negative right. I don't know. I'm still working on my coffee. It's early um, as I'm recording this, but I got things to do today. All right. As for who would last longest, I think a pair of people, if they were to buddy buddy up uh, in the apocalypse, would absolutely survive, like outlast and survive. That pair of people uh, are Ojiro and Meihatsube. Ojiro, because he knows when to fight and he knows when to run and he's good at fighting. Um, I mean, he is the best skilled martial artist in 1A, um, but he also knows when not to fight. Like I'm thinking specifically of when he had the opportunity to fight in the sports fest, but was like, nah, dog, something ain't right because of uh, Shinso. So he's got, he's got sensibility. Um, when it's necessary to stand your ground. Think of him versus Chimera in the, whatever the second movie. So I think he would be excellent. Augment his abilities with Mei, who, quirkless, right? So I'm not talking about Ojiro with his tail. I'm not talking about Mei with Zoom. Mei's 
like inventor prowess is not strictly reliant upon her quirk. She is handy. She's intelligent. Uh, and so she would be totally able to like rig up a house with uh, alarms, with traps. Uh, she could, uh, you know, cobble together or craft uh, weapons for the two of them. They would outlast and out and out survive everyone else. Hands down, Ojiro and May in the apocalypse. They're they're my two. That's who I would want to roll with. Uh, if you have alternative answers, of course, to any of these, uh, feel free to uh, tweet at us or uh, pop in the Discord and let me know what you think. And then last, we've got uh, kind of a couple of related questions from uh, Black Rain in the Discord. He says, if you are able to live in the My Hero Academia world, and if you had a quirk that would qualify you to be a superhero, would you actually go for the superhero license so you could be one and use your quirk in public? Or live a normal life as a civilian watching from the sidelines? Um, the short answer is, if I thought I could be helpful, yes. I, I would go for the superhero route. If I didn't think that I could be truly helpful, um, I would totally be the guy who fought for reasonable freedom of quirk use in public. Uh, I get that mentality in my hero. Um, I think that it's silly, for instance, in Vigilantes, that. Um, Tensei Ida, quote unquote, pulls over uh, Koichi and kind of ch chastise. I mean, he doesn't like chastise him, but he's like, oh, you're using your cork in public. And, and the like policemen do that to Koichi. They're like, ah, you're not supposed to do that. He's harming nobody. He was just scooting around on the ground. It's too, it's too heavily restricted. I understand the reasoning for the restriction too. But if I'm in that world and I had like Koichi's quirk, which just allows him, well, that's that's not fair. Um, I was just going to say it just allows him to like slide around on the ground. But if you read Vigilantes, you know that it's a lot more uh, versatile than that. But regardless of what the quirk might have been, if I can use it safely, non-aggressively in public to my own benefit, not even trying to impose it upon others like a hero might or a villain might, just I can get to work quicker, I don't think that should be restricted. I would totally be fighting um, uh, for legislation to be fixed on that front, 100%, um, if I thought that I couldn't be a pro-hero. And you know, there's a good chance that even if I were a pro-hero, that I still might toe that line uh, as far as legislation is concerned. Like, come on, guys, let's, let's uh, lighten things up a little bit here. Uh, his follow-up question was, if you had the choice, would you give up the ability to use your quirk if you couldn't get your hero license or move to live with, like, uh, the Mutant Liberation Front uh, to one of their cities where you could just use your quirk out in the open, uh, but to be seen as a criminal by the heroes, even if you were not going to be one. And uh, he says, this might go along with my first question. I would want to be more proactive than that. Uh, I see the benefit of, you know, having, like, this sanctuary city for quirk use, but I think that there's more... There's more risk involved in that, like unregulated quirk use, just totally unregulated quirk use. I, I hesitate to think that that's what I would want for the world. That's what Shigaraki uh, and co. want for the world. I don't fall into that camp. Should quirks be reasonably used in public? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't want to withdraw from society to go and live in a city where that where there was 100% license to use your cork as you see fit. That seems chaotic. Uh, but yeah, I, I would want, uh, I would be, I mean, I would be like a lobbyist 
um, or, or or try to work my way up, uh, you know, in, inside of the governments to get to where my voice inside of legislation could be heard, where I could uh, vote to uh, affect things the way that I saw uh, to be reasonable given society, especially because uh, the vestiges even recently made mention that like Deku's breed, the, uh, uh, speaking of his quirklessness, is growing in- increasingly rare. So it used to be like 80-20 and, you know, presumably the, the numbers have shifted more uh, towards the, uh, the, the larger percentage of the population having quirks. At some point, you, you have to change that law. Um, so yeah, I would be a hero if I could be, if I couldn't be, or even if I were, uh, I would be lobbying for changes in the current, uh, legislation as it, as it exists inside of that world. So thank you guys for the questions. Uh, I hope that this little cool, calm and relaxed, uh, moment with Adkins was enjoyable. Uh, we talked about lots of things and also nothing. Hopefully you found it enjoying. Hopefully, uh, my coffee ASMR wasn't too distracting. Uh, but again, we wanted to make sure that something populated your feed. We, we realize our lives get busy, but we also, um, we value you guys. And so, uh, you know, I was willing to pinch it, do something on my own. Hopefully, uh, Adam and I can get a recording in and a week from this episode's debut, you will have something else to listen to. That isn't just me. Um, but if you stuck around, thank you. It's, it's flattering that you care to listen to me. Uh, I'm shocked that it went for as long as it did, but I was hoping for something between 30 and 45 minutes, but a little over that. Uh, hopefully you found it entertaining at the least. Hopefully I didn't present myself um, as an idiot. That's my greatest fear, especially when I don't have somebody who is uh, talking with me and serving as a soundboard to uh, to my own thoughts. But uh, I think that's going to wrap us up. Hopefully we'll be back in a week uh, covering uh, the, ne- well now, not the most recent episode. I'm about to sit down uh, when I finish this and go and watch the newest episode of My Hero Academia number 130, I don't remember, three, probably. Um, you know, the one that takes place after the muscular fight. I think it's 133. I don't know. I have, I'll look when I sit down to it on Hulu. But I hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, we will connect once again next week. And we'll we'll see you then. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, and thank you again for, for just listening to all things AMP. Hopefully, we'll get back to our regular schedule in seven days time. See you guys.